I'm just going to say a prayer. Father God, okay. I thank you for the gift that is in this woman. I thank you, Father, for her healing of her spirit, the healing, the ongoing healing of her soul and her body. And I thank you, Father, that the, the, out of the abundance of her heart, her mouth speaks. I thank you for filling her up, God. I thank you that the truth that is in there goes deep, that the roots go deep, that she is firmly established on your word, and that that is what we see. That is what we hear as she shares this teaching with us today. And we give you all the thanks yes. and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Cindy, thank you for your kind words and your prayers. Okay. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Okay. And thank you for sharing that testimony. Um, Jenny is also a very, very good friend of mine, and her dad is amazing. And uh, her mom actually was baptized in the Holy Spirit at age 92. So some really exciting things, and we just declare and decree that that testimony is over Jerry and that he is going to have an amazing testimony to share with us again also. Okay. So... As you know, uh, this summer we've been looking at um, Wisdom Keys for Healing, and um, we've been basing it on Greg Moore's book, Your Healing Door, and each week different people have been speaking about different wisdom keys, and hopefully um, some of them, many of them, have related to you that you can just grab onto them and that they will open your door to your healing. And uh, tonight what we're going to look at, we're going to look at a wisdom key called examine your heart. And so what I'm going to talk about, we're first going to look at why do we want to examine our heart. And then we will look at how do we examine our heart. And then we'll look at some tools we can use to examine our heart. What I'd like to share first, um, it, this is really a God story and, and I believe it's for all of you, so I want to share it. Uh, Friday when I was thinking about what song do I want to play at the end, um, I put my computer on and I just went to a playlist of songs and the song Open the Eyes of My Heart by Michael W. Smith just jumped out at me. And it's not a song that I know, so it's not a song that I regularly listen to. And, I'm, and so I decided to listen to it and I said, yeah, this kind of goes along with what I want to teach. And then I said, Holy Spirit, if this is the song you want, just confirm that. So yesterday in church, um, our church played that song, and our church never plays that song. And several people actually said, um, wow, we haven't heard that song, they never play that song. So I knew that that was God. And what was even more amazing, um, I had this picture here. There's a gal in our church who is very artistic, and uh, she was up on the platform and she was painting this picture. And I don't know if you can all see it from where you're sitting, but... Um, it's a heart, and when I saw it, it really touched my heart because of what I was teaching tonight. And so after the service, I went up to her and I said, wow, you know, that picture is really beautiful, and it really speaks to me. And I didn't say anything more than that. And she said, well, would you like it? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And so she said, uh, you know, it's really interesting because I was asked to do prophetic art with the kids, and that's where I was supposed to be today, but for whatever reason, I ended up in the main sanctuary. So I believe this picture really is for you. And so um, I then told her, I said, well, you know, I'm giving this uh, teaching tomorrow night on examining your heart, and that's why it spoke to me so much. So she said, hey, here's where my car is parked, you know, go out and get it. 
And what was really amazing when I did that, from where I was sitting in church, um, because I was sitting pretty far back and off to the left a little, I didn't see this magnifying glass. And I don't know if you can see it from the back, but it's a picture of a magnifying glass and a heart in in the middle. And what does a magnifying glass do? It examines things up closely. So I really wanted to uh, bring this picture tonight. I don't believe it's just for me. I believe that it's for each and every one of you that as you examine your hearts tonight, that God is going to touch you in a way and that my, my prayer is that you will just feel his love in a way that you have never felt it before. So, yeah, so thank you. Okay, so why we examine our heart. It's essential to keep your heart free from things that the enemy will use to block the flow of God's life and healing to you. And if we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, and it's coming. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. All right, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. And I believe that this verse alone gives us reason to examine our hearts. We want to resist all the evil plots of the enemy. We want to deflect those fiery darts of the enemy. We don't want to uh, be tempted by him. We don't want to be believing his lies. And so this verse is really important because the enemy is out there. He is like a roaring lion. He is trying to prey upon people. And we examine our hearts so we will not fall into his snares. We will not fall into his traps. And let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And I believe this scripture is a foundation scripture for this wisdom key, because when we examine our hearts, it is key to having that abundant life that God wants us to have, and the healing that Jesus so dearly paid the price for each and every one of us. And in John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come to give life, and I have come to give it more abundantly. And if we want that abundant life, we need to make sure that our heart is pure and that our heart is good soil so we can receive everything that the Lord has for us. And let's look at this verse a little bit. So what does guard mean? Guard means to watch over in order to protect. So Proverbs 4.23 is actually instructing us to protect our heart for everything we do flows from it. So if our heart is, um, is, is, you know, is good, our heart is good ground, what's going to come from it is good. So the inner core of a person, their thoughts, their feelings, their desire, their will, and their choices, that's what makes the person who he or she is. And so we want to make sure that who we are on the inside is what is reflected on the outside, and we want to make sure that our heart is lining up with what God wants to have in our heart. So let's look at Proverbs 23, verse 7. 
And this verse says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And this scripture tells us that our thoughts will often dictate who we become. The mind heart of a person reflects who they really are, not simply their actions or their words. And have you ever uh, met somebody that, you know, they say all the right things, uh, they kind of do all the right things, but then if they get real honest or if you have a really close talk with them, you see that maybe what's in their heart isn't exactly what, what is coming out. You know, they kind of fake something different. That's what's, what is in their heart. So right thinking in our heart, right thinking in our mind is so important because this is what the enemy uses for his battleground. If we're thinking thoughts that are different from what God's thoughts are, it's not going to be good. And we're going to be opening doors that will create soul wounds. Um, an example we can use of, of this is, let's say that there is a, um, a kid who grows up in a home. And I do believe that all parents do the best they can at the time with what they know. But everybody makes mistakes. So let's say he grows up in a home where, let's just say the dad has an addiction. And so the dad is really absorbed with his addiction. His relationship is to that addiction. The mom is kind of a co-addict, and she is focused on the dad. And so what happens to this kid is possibly he grows up feeling rejected, maybe because the parents aren't always there, maybe because the parents say, well, yes, I'll take you to that ball game next Saturday. Next Saturday comes around. It doesn't happen. Who knows? So if this kid continues to go through life and doesn't resolve that issue of rejection, what's going to happen as an adult, he still is carrying that inside him. And so he's going to see the world through that lens of rejection. And let's say, for example, he's at work and he's walking down the hallway and a coworker is coming the opposite way and he says, hey, how are you? And the coworker doesn't even say anything the first thing that he's probably going to jump to is, oh, what is wrong with me? Why does everybody reject me? How come they don't talk to me? Instead of realizing that maybe that other person is so engrossed in whatever he's thinking about that he didn't even see this person. Okay, so if we have unresolved issues with something, and right now we're using rejection, we're going to live life through that lens of rejection and we're going to believe lies about ourselves that we are not worthy of people's love, that we're not worthy of God's love. So this is why God asks us to examine our hearts and to root out lies if we are believing them and replace it with his truth. And sometimes people are believing lies unconsciously. They're not even aware that they're believing a lie. So we want to replace those lies with God's truth. And there is a definite bridge between the wounds in our heart and our physical health. When wounds of the heart are healed, people will often see the manifestations of that healing. And yes, we all know that 2,000 years ago, we were completely healed. Jesus did die on the cross for us. He did redeem us from the curse. So in the supernatural, we have that, fin that, we have that healing. It is finished. It is done. But we do live in a world, and we live in a fallen world, and sometimes things come upon us. And so what we want to make sure, sure of is that are we believing truths in our heart 
So we're not opening up doors for any types of lies or soul wounds where the enemy can get in and then we find out we're, we have disease, sickness, whatever else. Okay, let's look at um, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And it says, The upright, honorable, intrinsically good man out of the good treasure stored in his heart produces what is upright, honorable, and intrinsically good. And the evil man out of the evil storehouse brings forth that which is depraved, wicked and intrinsically evil. For out of the abundance overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is another reason that it's so important of what is in our heart. And this verse really shows it. In the first part of the verse, good things are going to come out of a heart that is thinking good thoughts. And the last part, evil things are going to come out of the mouth of a heart that might be thinking evil things. So what we're thinking about ourselves, what we're thinking about others, what we're thinking about our beliefs in God is so important. And it's chapter, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love chapter. One of the verses I love in there, love thinks no evil. So God's word tells us that we are to not think evil. We are to not have those evil thoughts in our heart because we don't want them coming out into our life. And again, this verse tells us that what a person thinks and what is in their heart is what they will act on. So this is why it is so vital for each and every one of us to examine our heart on a regular basis to make sure that our heart is lining up with God's word. That is key. That is so important. Okay, let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22. And it says, My son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, health and healing to all their flesh. It is imperative that we keep God's word in the center of our heart always, day and night. And if you look at the sheet um, under that verse, I have two words printed. I have the word world and I have the word word. And those two words their meanings are obviously light years apart. They're not even similar. We live by God's word, not by the ways of the world. But when you look at those two words side by side, there is only one little letter that differentiates those two words, right? And it's the letter L. So when we take out the L out of the word world, which represents the lies of the world, we have the truth of God's word. Amen. Yes. And that is really important. So when we look at this verse, we want to keep his word in the center of our heart because when we keep his word in the center of our heart, we are going to overcome those lies of the world and we will live by the truth of his word. It's also imperative to keep God's word at the center of our heart in order to declare his promises 
so we can bring his promises from heaven to earth. And if we don't know his word, we're not going to be able to declare them. In Job 22:28, it says, Declare and decree a thing, and it shall be established. So in order for us to make declarations about whatever it is we're going through, if it's health, there's loads of declarations in the Bible about how we've been healed, how the Lord will, will keep us free from disease. We want to find those. Whatever it is you're contending for, if you need provision, you want to find those scriptures and you want to stand on those scriptures. We want to be asking Father God, how can we partner with him in order to bring heaven to earth? And that actually is a prayer that I pray daily. And I just say, Father God, show me how to align with you so I can bring heaven to earth. And the reason that I pray this prayer is because I want to bring all the promises of heaven. I want to bring all the promises of his word into my own life and into the lives of others. When we examine our hearts and make declarations based on God's promises in his word, we need to make sure that we have the correct motives. This is really, really important. Are we making declarations because it's like a works mentality and we're declaring scripture to get God to move? thinking that the more we say these scriptures, it's going to make him heal us. Okay, that's, that's an incorrect motive. Or are we saying these scriptures because we are wanting to renew our mind, we are wanting to plant his word in our hearts so we will know the truth. We examine our heart in order to renew our mind. So when I first started attending Cindy's class and Pastor Tim's class, it was about three years, three years ago, actually the end of August, so almost three years ago, um, I had been given a re-diagnosis of cancer. And a really good friend of mine told me about Pastor Tim's class, so I went to that class. I then met Cindy and Kent and um, started coming here. So when I first started coming, I had come from a denomination um, that did not teach all of these truths. Um, I came from a denomination that said, yeah, God heals. Sometimes he heals. He doesn't always heal. I had been taught that, you know, the way you pray is, God heal me if it be your will. So I came, you know, the, the word says, um, you know, it, it, I'm forgetting the scripture all of a sudden. Um, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Okay, so I didn't know that I was believing incorrectly. I didn't know that my heart was not holding truths in it. So I started coming to Pastor Tim's class. I started coming to Cindy's class, and I started learning all of these truths, um, was getting into the word, and I did find some scriptures to stand on because they had suggested, you know, you need, like I'm suggesting to you, find scriptures to stand on and declare them. So I had picked four scriptures that I stand on and I stand on them to this day. And they were by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed, which is 1 Peter 2.24. The Lord will keep me free from every disease, which is Deuteronomy 7.15. I am well which is 2 Kings 4.23, and this affliction will not rise a second time, 
Nahum 1.9. So I had those four scriptures written out on an index card, and boy, I was in a works mentality without even knowing it. I would declare those scriptures 20, 30, 40 times a day, you know, morning, noon, and night. So even though I was declaring those scriptures over my life, which was good, the motive of my heart was not correct. And so, I, as I said, I was in that works mentality, thinking that by declaring all those scriptures, this is what would get me healed. And I soon learned by attending these classes that that is not true, that I was healed 2,000 years ago by the stripes of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so when I learned that, I obviously had to reframe why I was doing that. I wasn't doing it to get God to move. I was doing it so that my heart would have that good soil, that those scriptures would be planted in my heart, that my heart and my mind would be renewed so that when the enemy did come to attack me, those were in there. And I could say them because they were truth and because they were God's truth. And that was the weapon that I could use to fight all of the words and the lies and the attacks of the enemy. And I just want to share um, a little bit of my testimony at this point. So what I had been coming here for about maybe, I want to say, three weeks. And the oncologist had put me on a, um, a treatment that I had been on before for about three years. So a pretty long period of time. And I was, I mean, there were some side effects, but I was tolerating it fairly well. But after three weeks of attending these classes, and I had been on this treatment now for probably about almost a month, I developed these debilitating side effects. Um, I could barely walk, I could barely stand, I was in so much pain. And so I went to the oncologist and he did take me off of that. And I firmly believe that that was a divine intervention from God. And, and I'm not against medicine, because medicine is good, God anoints medicine, God anoints doctors, so please don't read me wrong. But in my case, that was a divine intervention. And when I started really putting those scriptures in my heart and really believing them with the correct motives, that's when change started to happen. And praise God to this day, I have not been on any medication. <laughs> yeah, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, thank you, Lord. Okay, so let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And that is his will for us. He wants us healed. He wants us whole. He wants us delivered. He wants us to have that good, abundant life. So another reason that we're examining in our, our hearts is so that we will know God's perfect will for us. And we are also examining our hearts because we want a relationship with God. That is key. Sure, we want to be healed, but we are examining our heart. We are not examining our hearts to be healed and get back to life as normal. Do you know, like some people, um, I've been in some different venues, and people will come for a while, um, they're battling some disease, they come for a while, they learn the truths, they get that great report, 
they're healed, and then all of a sudden we don't see them. And all of a sudden we may see them a year or so later because maybe that sickness or something has come back again. So we want to make sure that we're not just seeking the healing and we're not trying to get back to life as normal. For me and for many of us here, this is a lifestyle. Even when we are well, even when we're walking in divine health, we still want to be examining our hearts. We want to be declaring those scriptures. We want to know God's word because that is our weapon against the enemy. So in examining our hearts, we are seeking the healer, not just the healing. And when you seek the healer, you will find the healing. And it is in our context with our relationship with Papa God and knowing how much he loves us that we will find that healing. And uh, I believe it was Cindy, uh, when we first started these, she gave a teaching on, on how much God loves us. And that is so true. It is in our relationship with him and knowing how much he loves us. And that is key. It's, it's so important to have that cemented in your heart, how much you are loved by God. In that context, we do find our healing. And the word says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all the rest will follow. I kind of paraphrased it, but that is the meaning. Okay. So those are some of the reasons of why we want to examine our heart. Again, we want to make sure that there is nothing in there that is obstructing all of what God has for us. We are his children. We have an inheritance, and he wants us to claim every bit of it. And so we want to make sure that our heart is pure, it's good ground, and that all of his truths are just firmly planted in there. Okay, now let's look a little bit now at how do we examine our heart. So if we look at 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2. We're there. Cool. All right. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. So Greg Moore, who is the author of Your Healing Door, um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And he writes in his book that he went to the Lord and asked the Lord to give him a word and that he heard the Lord say to him, I want you to go to three men, and he actually named those three men, and I want you to ask them for prayer. And so Greg thought at first like, okay, that's all I have to do. I have to go to these three men. They're going to pray and I'm going to be healed. And Greg was surprised that these three men asked him certain questions that revealed the condition of his heart. And I would like to just read um, a little bit of Greg's testimony because I think it's pretty important. And so he writes, My expectation was that each would pray a simple prayer of faith over me and something supernatural would happen. Something supernatural happened all right, but much of it was connected with how these men helped me address spiritual issues in my heart. Prior to my visit with each of them, I had not seen how essential righteousness, faith, my love walk, my relationships, and my priorities were to receiving from God. What I needed was healing from cancer, 
But these men helped me to see that what I needed more was to remove all barriers in my heart that had the potential to block the healing God had provided for me. They taught me some things I did not realize. I found out that one of the keys to my health was developing a prosperous soul. This verse right here. They also taught me I needed to guard my heart so that the issues of life, which include healing, would flow unhindered in my heart. And we talked a, a little bit about that verse earlier, that I believe that is the foundational scripture for this wisdom key. And he goes on to say, the bottom line is that with the help of the Holy Spirit and these three men, some major obstructions were removed from my heart and I was free to receive from God. When I went in for further tests at the hospital, the doctors could find no sign of cancer. God's healing power had been released to flow from my spirit to my physical body and it had eradicated all traces of that dreaded disease. So what, yeah, praise God. So what Greg found out, there was a definite connection between the condition of his soul, the condition of his heart, and the condition of his body. So in the natural, if we want to stay healthy, we have to do certain things that are good for us. We have to um, eat well. We have to stay away from junk food. You know, we have to get enough rest. We have to exercise. We want to make sure we're balancing work and play. We um, want to make sure that we're trying to minimize stress in our lives. So there's lots of things that we have to do. And we live in this world, which has fallen. So on occasion, sometimes people do get sick and they may have to go to the doctor. They may have to get a prescription. They get that prescription filled. They take it and the virus, the bacterial infection, whatever it is, it goes away. So as we examine our heart, we can make a similar parallel in the supernatural. If we have been attacked by soul wounds, and some examples could be depression, it could be grief, uh, it could be rejection, as we talked about, disappointment, anxiety, trauma, and you could go on and on and on. There are many, many more. What we need to do is we go to the doctor, and our doctor in the supernatural is Dr. Jesus. And we get his prescription. And what is his pill? His pill is right here. His pill is the word. And when we take that, when we ingest this word, we are going to find our healing. We are going to find what we need because his word is truth. Okay. Um, the amplified version, let's look at the amplified version of 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It makes this... Uh, connection even clearer between the condition of your heart and soul wounds and your physical healing. And it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. So this verse really, really, really points it out. If you have a prosperous soul, which also is your heart, you're going to have a prosperous body. God loves us so much that he does want our soul to prosper and he wants us to heal soul wounds so that we will be in good health and that we will have all of the blessings and all of the promises that he has for us. An abundant life, which includes physical health, is dependent on the condition of your heart and soul. 
And as we said, there are many causes of soul wounds. So some of the causes can be sin. We can have uh, trauma in our life. We can have unforgiveness. And sometimes we may have unforgiveness without even knowing it. Or we may be, be believing lies of the enemy. And we talked about you could know that you're believing lies. Or sometimes you may not even know that you're believing lies. As that was my case um, three years ago. So soul wounds can lead to disease or they may block you from receiving your healing, and that is why it is so important to examine your heart. We do not want to give the enemy any legal right or any access into our souls or into our body because he wants to get in there and he wants to accomplish his mission, and we know what his mission is. It tells us in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So... We want to make sure we're looking at our heart and, and if we have opened the door where that enemy gets that little hook in, okay, if, if we don't do something with it, that hook just gets bigger, it becomes a stronghold and he now has legal access and he is going to do just what his mission is, to come to, come to steal, kill and destroy. So we want to destroy those strongholds. We do not want to give him any legal access or any right. And what is our weapon again? The word. The word is our weapon. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what we are made up of. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. Our spirit is the core of who we are. It is the core of our being. We cannot feel our spirit, we cannot see our spirit, but it is the real us. And our spirit is eternal, and our spirit is going to live forever with the Lord. On that day that we were born again, and we accepted Jesus Christ into our life as our Savior, that is when our spirit joined with the Holy Spirit, and our spirit became perfect because of our connection and our reconciliation with God. Yep. It has nothing to do with us. It's everything about the Lord. And if we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. I love this verse, and this verse is really, really good news. I would encourage everybody to meditate on it, and not only meditate on it, but to visualize it. Because what this verse is telling us is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we have that resurrection, deutimous power inside of us. And a step beyond meditating on it is just visualizing it. You can just visualize that resurrection power going through your body, healing you from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. You can visualize that resurrection power of the Holy Spirit running in your veins, in your blood, in every cell of your body. And just visualize that. I think that's a great tool to use. Let's talk a little bit about our soul now. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. We cannot see our soul, but we certainly can feel our soul. 
We can tell if we're happy or if we're depressed. We can tell if we're in a negative state of mind or if we're in a positive state of mind. We can tell if we're in a, a period of discouragement or a period of encouragement. So we certainly can feel our soul. And our soul wants to rule us. And we have to be very careful that we do not let our emotions take over. Our soul is really governed by our five senses. And we know that our five senses are strong. And an example is, um, let's say you're, you're battling a disease or you're having a physical symptom. Our soul wants to put that disease or wants to put that symptom above God's word. But we need to make sure that we put God's word and his promises above that circumstance. Amen. Yeah. We need to make sure that we don't fit our circumstances to the theology of who God is. But we need to know who God is and fit that to our circumstances. And the theology of God is God is good. God is good all the time. God has healed us. He has redeemed us from the curse. So when we have that symptom or that disease or whatever we're fighting, we don't want to say, uh-oh, maybe I really didn't get healed. Uh-oh, why is the symptom here again? You know, am I losing my healing? No, we want to say, no, we know who God is. God has healed us, and we're going to use that and apply that to that symptom, that disease. We're going to say, you need to go. We're not going to tolerate you. You must leave at once. So again, I want to say this because I think often what happens is that people are going along really good, believing the truth, and then something happens and they get jolted. So again, we do not want to fit our circumstances. We do not want our circumstances to determine who God is. But we know who God is, and that's what determines what's going to happen with those circumstances. And when we take that power, when we take that resurrection power and apply it to our circumstances, we will be the victors. Not because of who we are, but because of who is in us. Okay. Um, so another little example, let's say, you know, this is, this is God, okay? And God obviously is our solution. And let's say this is whatever, it's the problem. It's your disease, it's your symptom, it's whatever you want to call it. So if we're looking at God, we're not focusing on the symptom over here, are we? But if we're looking here at this symptom, we're not focusing on God. So it's so important that we focus on God because that is the solution. And again, we fit our theology of who God is to our circumstances, which means the word of God always, always trumps and is above our circumstances. So we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus because he is our healer. And remember, when we seek the healer, we're going to find that healing. Let's talk about our body. Our body is pretty obvious. We can see our bodies. We can feel our bodies. Our body is the temple for our spirit and our soul. And the key here is that our body needs to come into alignment with our spirit because our spirit is connected to God's spirit, and that is truth. We do not want our body to follow our soul and our five senses 
because that's what can get us into trouble and that's what leads to sin. Unrepentant sin and wounds of the heart can open the door to sickness and disease in our lives. And the body naturally wants to follow the soul. So we need to be really disciplined here and we need to make conscious choices that we are not going to let the body follow the soul, but we are going to apply God's word and that's what's going to rule the body. And it does take discipline. Okay. Let's look at um, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. And it says, A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body, but envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. This verse shows us the importance of having that healthy spiritual heart that we're talking about and why we need to get rid of soul wounds such as envy, jealousy, wrath, and etc. I mean, the verse says, if your mind and heart are calm and undisturbed, you're going to have life and you're going to have health. But if we have soul wounds there, it's not going to be so good. We're not going to have life. We're not going to have health. So this verse really um, backs up the importance of why we want to heal soul wounds. All right, let's next look at some tools to examine our heart. Um, I'm going to talk about a few tools that we can use to examine our heart. Obviously, there's many. I'm just going to talk about three of them. And God does give us tools, um, and he wants us to use them. Let's talk about what is a circumcised heart. A circumcised heart is one that stays in constant communion with God and allows for a regular examination and accountability to others. If you look at the word circumcise, it means to purify spiritually. So we want to make sure that our heart is spiritually pure and that we are staying in constant communion with God and that we will regularly look at our heart to see if there's something that we need to change and that we will be accountable to others. The truth is that each and every one of us, because we're human, we have blind spots. Sometimes we can't always see those blind spots. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit and we need the help of others in order to see them so we can have that spiritually pure heart. One of the tools to examine our heart, and, and this is the most important tool, it's God. And, you know, God is the first person that we should go to. And so often when something comes up in our lives, you know, what do we do? We quickly go to our spouse or we go to our friend or, or whatever. And sometimes God is the last person that we go to. And God really should be the first person that we go to. And so it's so important to go to the Lord and say, Lord, show me how you see my heart. And as I said, we need the Holy Spirit's help in examining our heart to keep it free from obstructions and contamination. And 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 to 5 actually describes this process and tells us how to do it. And it says, For I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. 
Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So the beginning of the verse says, I, I don't know nothing against myself. I'm not justified, but God is my judge. And when we go to the Lord and we ask him to show us how he sees our heart, if there is any darkness there, he is certainly going to bring that darkness into the light. So again, this verse tells us that God will bring to light the hidden things of darkness that may be in our hearts. So it's really important that you ask the Lord to reveal to you the conditions of your heart. Ask him if there's anyone you need to forgive, for instance. And let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. Sometimes people um, have a hard time forgiving because often we've been hurt deeply. Uh, we, have a lot, we may have a lot of emotions and feelings attached to that. And forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook or excusing what they did. Forgiveness is for us to set us free. And that's what is really important. And, um, when we for, and, and forgiveness is a choice. So you may have all those feelings. You may not want to forgive, but we need to make that conscious choice and say, I choose to forgive. And then there's another step. After you've forgiven them, you want to release them from any harm that they've done to you. You cancel their debt. And then the step after that is you give them to the Lord and you say, Lord, I give them to you to deal with. Bless them. And I'll share a personal example in my life um, where I had to deal with this. Um, we have some neighbors behind us and maybe four years ago or so they decided to do re-landscaping and they built all these high berms up and so every time it rained the three houses behind them our yards were like completely totally flooded and so the city got involved and the city did say to them you know you you need to fix this um, because you have created an issue um, so they begrudgingly did it because obviously they had, they had spent all this money on their landscaping and now they had to spend more money to fix this. Um, and for whatever reason, they took offense at us three neighbors. Um, and to this day, they won't talk to us. Uh, if they're in their yard and we come out, they'll turn the other way. I have tried to make amends with them. They don't want anything to do with it. So the point is that Obviously, that, that was hard for me, and then I kind of took offense to, to their offense. And so every time I would see them, I'd get that, like, ugh, that angst in my heart. And so over and over and over, I had to say, I choose to forgive them. And then I said, Lord, you know, help me let go of this. What do I need to do? And I heard him say, pray for them. And it does say in the word, pray for one another and you shall be healed. So whether you're praying for somebody for a physical illness, uh, an emotional thing, or something like this, um, it, it does work. So every time I would see them, I would start to pray that for them. I would say, Lord, bless them, you know, heal their hearts, bring them favor, whatever. And it's really amazing. It took a little bit of time, but after a while, when I would see them, I did not have any of that reaction. 
I didn't have that angst that I had before. So it's important. Ask God, is there anybody I need to forgive, Lord? And if there is, kind of go through that process. Um, another thing is ask the Lord to reveal to you, are you believing lies? Are you believing lies about God? Are you believing lies about yourself? And if you are, ask him to help you get rid of those and to replace those lies with his truth. Another thing that you can ask God is, have you opened up any doors that give the enemy legal access? Have you opened up a door to fear? Have you opened up a door to bitterness? Have you opened up a door to sexual sin? Have you opened up a door to the occult, etc.? Again, bringing these things to the surface and into the light simply allows us to deal with it and to get free from it. And as it says in Isaiah 61.1, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. And in examining our hearts, that's what he's doing for us. He's coming to heal our hearts and he's coming to set us free so we can have all of what he has for us. As I uh, mentioned earlier, you know, three years ago when I was re-diagnosed with cancer, I started coming here. And at the time, I was believing a lot of lies. And one of the lies I was believing was that God gives sickness because that's what I was taught. Obviously, that's a lie. So when I got that re-diagnosis, the first thing I said was, God, what lesson didn't I learn that you gave me this cancer again? So that was obviously a lie that I was believing. I started attending these classes and I knew that that was a lie because God is good, always. The devil is bad, always. The devil pretends he's light, but God never pretends he's darkness. So if it's something... <laughs> so we'll say that again. The devil pretends he's light because he does. He wants to bring confusion. He wants to bring lies. He wants to pretend he's light. But God never pretends he's darkness. And if it's darkness, it is not from God. So when I learned the truth, I obviously had to, um, I had to repent for that lie. I had to forgive the denomination that I grew up in. I had to forgive whoever that I got wrong teaching, I renounced that lie and I replaced it with God's truth. And that's how I healed that soul wound. Another tool um, that we use in examining our hearts is the help of others. So good Christian mentors, obviously classes like this, our ministry team, other good sources, um, etc. And as I said, we each have blind spots and we don't always see them and we need the help of the Holy Spirit and others to see them. So I want to ask you, do you have anyone in your life that you can trust to be accountable to and vulnerable with regarding matters of your heart? Sometimes it's really hard to be completely vulnerable about what's going on in our heart. But it's really important that we have these people in our lives. Do you have people in your life that you give permission to them that they can speak into your life, that if they see you going off track, they can tell you. When we have trusted people like this that we can be accountable to, they are a great resource of wisdom and help in keeping our hearts and attitudes in the right place. 
And if you don't already have people like this in your life, I want to really encourage you to pray about it and to find someone that you can be accountable to because this accountability is essential in keeping your heart free from the things that the enemy will use to block the flow of God's life and healing to you. And I personally cannot stress this enough. Um, I have some really great mentors and spiritual mothers and fathers in my life that I've had for the past couple years. Um, I give them permission to speak into my life and I would not be who I am today and I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the Lord working through these people. And the body of Christ, really, we are supposed to be there for one another. We are to encourage each other. We are to edify each other. We are to build each other up. And that's why we need others to help us in this process also. Because what happens if we get in isolation? Isolation is the enemy's number one weapon. And when we're in isolation, it's really easy to get off track and to start believing those lies. That's why we need each other. That's why it's so important to have good, strong mentors and spiritual mothers and fathers in your life that can speak into your life and can give you correction lovingly when you need it and encouragement at all the other times. So I cannot say enough about that. Um, another tool that we can use in examining our hearts is what I'm going to call an inner healing prayer ministry. And so this inner healing prayer ministry includes deliverance for our souls and makes us whole and blesses us with all of God's provision. And the goal of an inner healing prayer ministry is to reveal truth where we may be believing lies, to root out any unforgiveness, and to heal soul wounds. It can help with traumatic events of seasons in your life, like the death of a loved one, for instance, a divorce, a loss of any kind, accidents, etc., and many of you know the season that I have been through recently um, with the death of my mom last December and many of the um, health-related procedures that I've had to have for the past several months, way too many, but thank the Lord, everything is good. Um, so, so this tool right here um, was really a very, very helpful tool for me to examine my heart so I could receive that inner healing, so I could get rid of those trauma and those feelings and all of those things attached to what had happened. So I think it's really, really important. Let's look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Currently, this is probably my most favorite verse and I uh, stand on this verse strongly because isn't it true? So often we think we know how it should be done or we want to do it our way. And you know, we really need to relinquish control. We need to completely submit to the Lord and we need to say, Lord, I totally trust in you. I am not going to lean on my own understanding 
because I know if I trust in you, I can be confident and I can rest in your goodness that you've got this. And then we don't strive. When we try to lean on our own understanding, we strive. And striving really doesn't get us too far, does it? Okay. So whether you're examining your heart or whether you're dealing with some health issue or whether you're dealing with anything else in your life, whatever it might be, you will find peace if you do what this verse says. You will be able to rest in God's goodness and you will, be find, you will find peace instead of that striving to try to figure it out. And what does the Lord want us to do? He wants us to rest in his goodness and rest in his promises. Because isn't that what faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And hope doesn't mean, oh, I hope it's going to happen. Hope means confident expectation of God's goodness. And that is what we want to rest in. And we can do that when we completely surrender and completely trust in him. What I would like to do is um, take us through um, a little inner healing prayer ministry experiential to examine our hearts to see if there are any soul wounds that need to be healed. And remember, a soul wound could be an array of any many things. It could be a lie you're believing. It could be fear. It could be anger. It could be abuse. It could be trauma. It could be just about anything. So what, what we're going to do is I want you to really, in the forefront of your mind, keep this verse there, that when we go through this process, don't try to analyze it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't question, like, is this really me? Is this really God? Just totally surrender. Lean not on your own understanding and trust that the Lord is going to meet you wherever it is that you need to be met. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to um, pose um, five different questions and I'm going to ask you to say them out loud. You can kind of say them in a whisper. And then I want you to wait and see what the Lord says to you. And you can either remember it or you can write it down. Um, And when you kind of have it, just look towards me so then I'll know when I can move on to the next question. Okay? And first, I'm just going to pray before we start that process. Oh, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us so much that you do reveal what is in our hearts because you want us to be healed. You want us to be whole. You want us to be delivered so we can receive everything that you have for us and you have so much for us. Father, I pray over each and every one of us here that we can do what Proverbs 3, 5 says, that we will completely submit and trust in you and that we will not lean on our own understanding, but that we will acknowledge you in all your ways because we know you, you are in charge and you are directing our paths. So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, search my heart and reveal any soul wounds. 
just kind of look up at me after you've received something. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anyone I need to forgive regarding this particular soul wound? say, I forgive, put in their name, for whatever it is. I release them from any harm done to me. I cancel their debt. I give them to you, Lord. Bless them. And then in your mind's eye, I want you to just gather up those soul wounds, whatever was revealed, and put them in your hands and kind of, as a prophetic act, just raise your hands up to the Lord. And I want you to give that to the Lord. I want you to say, Lord, I hand you these wounds. I let them go. I lay it at the foot of the cross. And now I want you to ask him, Lord, what do you have for me in exchange? thank the Lord for whatever it is that he just gave you. You may want to write it down, maybe reflect on it later, ask God to reveal further. And this is a little process that you can do anytime, all the time, to examine your heart, to make sure the soil in your heart is good, good ground, so that you will grow and you can receive all of the many blessings that the Lord has for you. And in conclusion, I hope this teaching has been helpful and has shown the importance of why we want to examine our hearts and why it is so important that our heart is good ground and that's what is in there is the truth of the Lord. We examine our hearts so there will be nothing 
in the way of us receiving all the wonderful provisions and promises that God has for us. We are his children. He has left us an inheritance and we want to take every one of those because he loves us. He wants us to have that abundant life. And we are the victors because of who we are in Christ. And I'd like to... This quote is actually an awesome quote, I think. Victory is not the absence of problems. It is having peace and joy in the midst of them. Victory is continuing to bear good fruit for the kingdom of God, even when we are going through difficulties. We live in a fallen world, and the Lord said there will be tribulations, but he said he will never forsake us. He will never leave us. He will always, always, always be with us. Victory is not the absence of problems. It's having peace and joy in the midst of them and being the people that he wants us to be, being the light of the world.